0: Welcome to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning radio show and podcast featuring your physician host, Dr. Tom McGovern
1: and Dr. Andrew Mullally, where we and our guests discuss relevant and health-related topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. Dr. Doctor is brought to you in part by the generous underwriting of CMF Curo. Learn more at mycatholichealthcare.org and live your Catholic faith in your health care with CMF Curo.
0: Today, our guest will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Joining us will be double Dr. Carolyn Harmon. She's the Dean of Nursing at Belmont Abbey College, where they've recently started an exciting nursing program infused with the Catholic ethos. Uh, Since we haven't covered any nursing-specific topics since the summer of 2019, we thought it was time. Today, we'll talk about the general state of nursing in the United States pre- and post-pandemic, and how a group of Catholic colleges are training nurses in an explicitly Catholic way. So, of course, I went to the internet and uh, looked up some interesting things about nurses. And as we've mentioned before on the show, once again, for the 20th year in a row, nursing ranked as the top profession that Americans think have high levels of honesty and ethics in the United States. 81% of Americans thought so. In second place were us doctors at 67 percent. Third was elementary school teachers at 64 percent. Now, they also broke this down, interestingly, between those beliefs among self-described political liberals and self-described political conservatives. Hmm. And for nurses, it was, you know, it's 82, 83 uh, percent respectively between conservatives and Liberals. But shockingly in this study, the belief that doctors are ethical and honest differs by 20% between Republicans Mm. and Democrats. Only 59% of Republicans think doctors practice with high levels of honesty and ethics, while 79% of Democrats think so. Only two other professions had a greater variance by um, political beliefs. (laughs) That was a 35% difference for police officers. 71% Seventy-one percent of Republicans, thirty-six percent of Democrats, thought that they were high, and then newspaper reporters—only seven percent of Republicans and thirty percent of Democrats thought they were high. So I wonder, Andrew, how do you think this might correspond to our listening audience? Yeah, going to trust yeah.
1: our guests more than us. Those are awesome. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I think so. I mean, nursing <laughs> in particular—you know, when you see a nurse, what do you think? They're there to help me, and I'm grateful. I mean, that's what you think when you interact with nurses and you see a nurse. There's no doubt about it. It's interesting that study you quote is a 2022, says so post-pandemic. I, yeah, I, I totally get it. Doctors took a big hit between, you know, kind of changing the tune and perceived mixed messages and the whole, you know, CDC and everything. Like, I, I totally get it. I, the thing that's actually most interesting to me about all the statistics I yes. wonder before nurses 20 years ago, who was, more, who was more trustworthy or whatever? I mean, you think of nursing and I think, yeah, that's that's where they belong. They are up there. They're the most trustworthy.
0: Uh, they are. And interestingly, there was about a 7 to 8% higher positive ranking during 2020 and 21 during the midst of the pandemic. And now oh, we've wow. come back down to pre-pandemic uh, levels of, um, of belief in ethics. But- yeah, that, that, that huge difference in um, political persuasion of how we appear. So I'm wondering, will we therefore get a bigger audience today because we're having a nurse on?
1: Yeah, I'd, I would totally believe it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really nice, too, especially we're talking about pre and post pandemic. I think that's got to be one of the most interesting things with nursing, because um, you know, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of my friends who are nurses and the landscape, at least where I live, has changed dramatically between wow. not only the daily work life and what they're actually asked to do, but the lack of nurses. And I, I'm not oh. sure if it's this way throughout the whole country, but man, you, you it's very hard to get nurses for our local hospital. They're doing everything they can. They're trying hard travel nursing. Um, but it's just, it's a needed profession. There's not enough of them. And and people love them, honestly, because when you're there and you're sick, you need help. You can never find the doctor. The nurse is the one who's going to help you get better. And people appreciate mm. that.
0: Right. And it, it makes sense. They have more time with nurses, although I'm curious how the rise of electronic medical record has affected nurses' abilities to interact with patients.
1: Oh, I'm sh- I'm sure she's got stories to tell us because I know one of her interests is in informatics as yes. well. And uh, man, if there's anything <laughs> that doctors love to do, we love to complain about the EHR. I, I'm thinking the nurses probably feel the same way, but I'd be interested to hear from her.
0: Yeah. I'm adding that in on our question list to trying to make sure I don't forget. As usual, we have more questions than we could possibly get through. Uh, but there's a number of exciting things going on at that college, which uh, I have visited a couple of times because I had a daughter graduate there. But uh, there are a number of Catholic colleges now with really good nursing programs. And I'll mention some of them. Um, I might forget some, but I know that the University of Mary in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota, uh, Steubenville, uh, Franciscan University has a great program, Benedictine College, uh, has one. Um, and I understand Providence College is starting one, and uh, there's one at Belmont Abbey, and I believe your old alma mater has one too at Ave Maria.
1: That is correct. So, yeah, I, I think it's great. I mean, if you think about the, the history of healthcare, it's coming from the Catholic Church and really just the Christian worldview. This is a huge opportunity. I think there's so many people who would appreciate a Catholic education in the nursing profession. That's huge.
0: Right. And uh, most of these programs, or if not all of them, have solid Catholic bioethics training, so that nurses are prepped if they get into a sticky situation, uh, knowing how to handle themselves. Well,
1: so you hear about those those coming up all the time. You see them in the newspaper, and it I think it helps. And I'll be interested to see what our guest has to say. Just for nurses to know the ethical footing on which our beliefs are based, and to feel confident to stand up and say, hey, what's going on here is not right, and feel confident doing that.
0: Uh, Amen. And and medical students and residents, they they all need to learn how to do it. Anybody who's Catholic in healthcare, And the Alliance Defending Freedom has a wonderful online and physical booklet uh, describing what those rights are. But now, before we get to uh, Dr. Carolyn Harmon on nursing, we're going to ask our medical trivia question of the day. And the category is the doctor-nurse ratio. Yes, Mm. math on the show. So as of last year, 2022, how many active practicing nurses were there in the United States for each practicing physician? This includes all registered nurses and licensed practical nurses. It does not include CNAs or CMAs, medical assistants or nursing assistants. Answer to the nearest whole number. Of course, the answer will be at the end of the show. But after this break on Doctor Doctor, we'll be back with Carolyn Harmon and nursing in the United States. Welcome back to Doctor Doctor and we have double doctor Carolyn Harmon with us. Carolyn currently serves as Dean of Nursing at Belmont Abbey College near Charlotte, North Carolina, where one of my daughters got to go and graduate. She received her PhD in nursing science from the University of South Carolina in 2022, and her first doctorate, a doctorate of nurse practitioner uh, with an executive leadership focus from the University of Alabama, Birmingham in 2014. She's a board-certified informatics nurse, certified Six Sigma Greenbelt, and a fellow of the Amy Cockroft Leadership Program and 2018 recipient of the state of South Carolina's Palmetto Gold Award. She currently serves as past president on the National Board for the American Nursing Informatics Association, and she's the 2021-22 recipients of the ENA and Sigma Foundation's research grant. Carolyn, welcome to Dr. Doctor.
2: Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
0: So Carolyn, out of all the things you could have done in healthcare, you cho- chose to become a nurse. What was it about nursing that attracted you?
2: So interestingly enough, most people talk about their calling to nursing, uh-huh. and I um, and one of the weird, odd people that did not have like that young, uh, elementary school calling, uh, had no intentions of going into healthcare at all. And when oh I was God. approximately 15 years old, I uh, experienced a death of one, not the closest, but one of a, a very, very close family member, uh, from mm-hmm. a sentinel event. And, um, here I am many years later, so you will notice and probably hear throughout this uh, segment that the beacon of my career has always been patient safety and uh, outcomes um, and all of those things that go with uh Patient safety outcomes, informatics, data analytics, data science, all the fun stuff of making life better in healthcare. And then now I am uh, in academics where I can mold and touch many other uh, students, uh, nursing students, so they can carry on um, the things that I find um uh, utmost important in helpful. So
0: when you said sentinel event, did you mean there was some type of accident, oversight, mistake that mistake. led to this outcome?
2: Yes. 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 Oh, man. There was ah. a mistake. And and it led to the death of my grandfather.
0: Oh my goodness. I can see why that would instill a great desire to prevent that happening again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So in nursing, you've held a lot of different roles. What was your favorite part of direct patient care?
2: I don't know. Probably, you know, this is going to probably sound odd. Um, I um, have done many things. Uh, I'm not. I will tell you what I did not ever do because it never was attractive to me. That's maternity. Labor delivery, those type of things, but um, I did work emergency department as well as uh, open heart recovery, and I worked in open heart recovery for quite some time. And this is, sounds odd that I loved the traumas that would come in there because we were a level one trauma center. We also had a residency program, and we would crack the chest <laughs> like uh, <laughs> if somebody was cardiac tamponading or something like that, and I. I still have days that I would just and I know this sounds weird I just wish I could crack a chest.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, only only I think a health, another healthcare person understands uh those feelings of I mean seriously saving a life. You know, if somebody's like mm-hmm got a leaky, you know, that we didn't sew them up enough or I don't know, it's just something happening and you crack that chest and you relieve that cardiac tamponade. It is just an amazing feeling, And then, I mean, like you get that immediate satisfaction of like you had somebody going south on you and then
0: mm-hmm.
2: you saved them. So I guess that would be uh, something I missed. That was one of my favorite things.
1: Carolyn, the The field of nursing is so broad what what do you think is the core characteristics of being a nurse?
2: Well, there are, you know, um, we have our standards and guidelines that is the basic um, professional nursing uh, core and standards, and that comes from the American Nurses Association. They if have- you're talking
0: to a 12-year-old who is asking, what is a nurse, what would you tell them?
2: What is a nurse? Uh, yeah. Well, I think a nurse is a caring human being that is there to advocate and save lives of other human beings. It's what's all about, the special uh, way n-
0: nurses do that?
2: We're the person who's there 24-7 with the patients, and we're the ones who can relate directly to the patients, their family members. Uh, we actually, I think it's the human... The humility, the service, the humanity, the holistic approach to the person, as well as their family members or loved ones. And uh, you grow, I mean, as you grow up in nursing, you become that person that you can notice those small changes and You can save lives. You can. And the other thing I think that's really great about nursing is it's actually not that it's always about money, but it is a recession proof profession. (laughs) And And you can also change your like if you get tired of one thing, you can change up and go to something else. So, like, for instance, you know, I just said that I never was interested in labor and delivery, but I worked in. Open heart and also emergency department. Well, that's really kind of two different things. Mm-hmm. But, so, if you kind of like just want to change it up, you can just go to something else. Um, and I, I think for,
1: for for students especially who are who are looking down the road and saying, "Hey, I'm really interested in nursing." I know there's so many different options. Can you describe a little bit about, in general, what what you might do if you're a nurse? Or is it too broad? It's hard to even pinpoint.
2: Well, it is a very, it, that, it's very broad, and I'm sure that I won't be able to hit all the key points. I mean, not even all the key points, but I can kind of, I can attempt to do that. And... Um, you have your different levels of care, which is your hospitals, which is your, which is acute care all the way to, uh, like home care, uh, public health. You do not have to work in a hospital to be a nurse. And a lot of times I think that people have that narrow focus, uh, that you have to work in that hospital environment. I even, um, you know, if you listen to my bio, I have an informatics and quality and data science mm-hmm. background. That is like if you want to work with um, computers and nursing, which is completely um, weird. I mean, not everybody wants to do something like.
1: <laughs> that. <laughs> Usually, we all try and get around it. <laughs> right,
2: I, mean, I actually loved it because I like to. I like the satisfaction of seeing the results of my work. And for instance, one of uh, how I did that through my informatics and quality and data life is I took a uh, one facility from the 68th percentile and quality scores to the 98th. And now, nice. yes, it did take me approximately a year, maybe a year and a half to do that. But the satisfaction of knowing, and those were populations of patients. Just think of all the lives that were impacted, in, you know, by that improvement in numbers. So I think it's all in your perspective and your lens. Uh, but nursing, I really do believe the sky's the limit because you really seriously, I mean, we have all different things you can do from case management uh, to um you know, working in with insurance companies—that's not really something I want to do. But you know, there are some nurses that are out there that they kind of like that case management to help with the discharge planning, and and that's through the insurance companies or even like your Medicare, Medicaid, and they get fulfillment because they feel like you know they have now you know made sure that that person had a safe discharge plan, uh, like. They may not have been able to go home, but they put them in like a rehab. And so that's also another area that a nurse can work in is like a rehab center. It does not have to be the hospital, but the hospital is... Uh, there are lots of hospitals, and that is an opportunity. And there's lots of different specialties within a hospital from the operating room to all the things that I've personally named. Um, you can do a variety of things. Then, if you want to go into leadership, the sky's the limit with that. So, you have supervision or supervisors, and so there are just so many things Much. that you can do. So, I just can't name them all.
0: So, Carolyn. Pre-pandemic to post-pandemic, what are the differences in general for nursing in America?
2: Pre-pandemic, you know, nursing has been in a shortage since, if you really want to go back in history, since the 1920s. We have numerous times attempted, and I think that that's where you have a lot of ambiguity in nursing. We have attempted to dig ourselves out of this shortage. And um, in the 60s, 70s era, there was the creation of the associate degree program to attempt to help nursing. And that's where I think we have so many different what we call entries to practice. So you can be an entry to practice. There's so many degrees out there, whether it's master's, bachelor's, associate, but you mm-hmm. still are becoming an RN uh, with that. But there's from the associate to the bachelors and above entry to practice, the difference is the technical nurse versus the professional nurse. And uh, we do know that the professional nurse does have the better outcomes. And that is through at, um, at least a decade. It's uh, it's greater than that, if I'm not mistaken now, of um, of research that the professional which is your bachelor's level or higher nurse does have the better outcomes at the bedside, so I do think that that's some of what has produced a lot of issues, and that was pre-pandemic, uh, and that was just something we lived with, and we would have our our influx of nurses, especially during a recession, you had a little bit more staffing, and you might would start feeling good about ourselves during those years and days, uh, and then. Economy gets good, people kind of, you know, they start staying home with their children or whatever. So, um, so we've always lived in that state. But what happened during the pandemic was actually um, severe burnout, uh, people leaving the profession altogether, uh, people retiring. You know, the nursing profession is an aged profession. If you look at our mean age, we are not young. Uh, And so we are a profession that's aging with an influx of higher numbers of population because you have the baby boomers that are sicker Mm, and, and and hitting, and hitting the care facilities. So, um, so it's, it's kind of a combination. We're getting a higher population of patients just because, of our nation, and then we are living longer as a nation, and then we have an aging population of nursing that's leaving the profession. But then we have the the extensive crisis of burnout that occurred, and and people left. And then we also had some, a number of nurses that did pass away from COVID.
0: Uh, so how how bad is the shortage now compared to three years ago?
2: I would call it a crisis.
0: And are there more or less nurses now being trained at the bachelor's level than before the pandemic?
2: Um, honestly I, I, I don't know the exact number of that, okay. but I think that we're still we're still trying to maintain uh, our numbers uh, and we're trying to do things to improve our numbers, whether it is, our uh, RN programs that are increasing um, the numbers that are associate degree level or bachelors, but we as a whole are doing a wealth of, of things But you know, the problem with nursing, it's a, it's a cycle. I don't know if you understand the regulatory aspects and we are highly controlled and it's, it's a, it's a cycle of, of issues that, that, is why we cannot get out of the shortage. And it's because our seats for our student, our student number seats are controlled by our boards of nursing. That is at the state Mm -hmm. level. And the rationale of that control is truly for patient safety and protection of the public. So they dictate like whenever I went through the North Carolina board of nursing uh, at Belmont Abbey, they they dictated how many seats I could have. And then they literally came to my facility and counted to make sure wow. I had the number literally counted my chairs. And um, so they control that. And, and the, in the, and it's a, basically like a three or four prong uh, control. And one is your resources. Uh, do you have the sustainability through financial Uh, like uh, whether it's donors or your college or university? Do you have sustainable financial support and resources? Uh, Do you have enough faculty? So the shortage of faculty is worse than the shortage of nurses at the bedside. Mm. And that is because faculty salaries are what a starting RN makes. And Mm. we have doctorate degrees.
0: Yeah, I so was on a college board once and I saw that the same thing in the business field teaching accounting and that yeah it it, it was similar.
2: So the last prong the the last issue is access to clinical sites and clinical experiences. And mm. we're being and we are and that's another major problem during the pandemic and post pandemic is yes. we are we don't have access to the clinical sites. And Man. so that's what they look at when they look at your application to, to tell you how many seats you have.
1: Got it. Now, Carolyn, you had mentioned one thing while you were, you were speaking about the different ways to enter practice, And mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest for myself, I got all the way through my training and how I was working before I really understood the difference between an RN, uh, LPN. Can you describe a little bit for our listeners who maybe like me weren't familiar with those different paths?
2: Right. So up to this particular question, I have only spoken about the RN, the registered nurse. So you have a lot of people that they will call that they say I'm a nurse, but there's many different levels and many mm-hmm. different lenses of saying I'm a nurse. Um, so you have like your techs or CNAs, and those are people who have like a six week and they're able to mm-hmm. do like just certain little tasks that are overseen and they practice on the RN license that that they're supervised by. And so is the LPN. The LPN is a, a vocational like at your um, vocational schools. You can get it even when you're in high school, if you so choose. But it's approximately a 12 month program. And that's called the LP. PN is a licensed practical nurse. The RN is a registered nurse. And there are differences in practice and scopes of practice. And that is dictated at that state level. And as an RN, where we are the supervising nurse, uh, that they pr- that both of these uh other nurses practice under our license, we have to understand our scope of practice as well as their scope of practice uh, to make sure that we are supervising them appropriately and correctly. But there is a lot of, of confusion around that, uh, that particular differences. And we want to have like one unified particular entry to practice and one unified, but we cannot get to that point because we can never get out of our shortage because we always need mm-hmm. everybody.
1: And and for registered nurses, those always have uh, a, an educational degree of some kind, a lot of them bachelors, but you can get it with other degrees as well. Is that right?
2: So you can get as a registered nurse, you can get that through a lot of your community colleges uh, that offer associate degrees, which is a two year college degree. You can um, also, uh, a lot of these uh, types of programs uh, are actually closing, but there are, but some are still in existence. But there's the diploma, it's called the Diploma Nurse, which is an RN that uh, it's still you at the end of it, you still get the RN, but it is. Like a hospital-based, hospital-trained program, that is um, how historically, way back in like the 1800s, yeah, nurses true. were trained. Um, mm. So, so those are actually um, they are usually nowadays affiliated with a college because you because you know. You still need those uh, sciences and, and those core courses to become a nurse. but But through regulatory and all of those things, it's not, they're still hospital-based in their clinical hours. It's just a little bit different. And so you have the those two that are lower than your bachelor's, but some of your higher innovative, uh, like Johns Hopkins, University of South Carolina, they have created what's called a master's entry to practice, where you get a generic master's degree without the nursing specialty, where most masters in nursing, you have a specialty focus because mm. this is sure you've received your RN, but these are where you have this generic. So you enter with a bachelor's that is not a nursing bachelor's, but it's a bachelor's that's, um, that is an approved or, you know, a, an approved, like a, a public health or social mm-hmm. work bachelor or something like that. And you enter and then you hit both the um, core competencies of of the RN at the bachelor's level, as well as the RN at the master's level. And you graduate with the MSN, no specialty. And you do take your NCLEX, which is your licensure RN exam at the end of that program. And you enter. So what the hope is through that type of program is that it improves our outcomes at the bedside because it's a higher level of entry to practice.
0: And with that, I think we're going to take a break here and come back and talk specifically about the exciting things going on with your program in particular um,
1: here on Dr. Doctor. And we are back on Dr. Doctor today talking about the nursing profession in general and we're talking with Carolyn in particular about this really exciting program you guys got down at Belmont Abbey. Can you tell us what's going on down there?
2: So it's really amazing, and it's an amazing opportunity to have become the founding dean. And it was not just for one program, it actually is for a department. So we offer multiple programs, which is pre-nursing, Uh, BS, the BSN is what you take the last two years of your, after your first two years of pre-nursing. Or if you are one of those associate degree nurses and you want to return to get your, Uh. or your bachelor's, we do offer the RN to BSN. And then we also offer an MSN that is focused in leadership with multiple pathways. So your pathway can be clinical leadership, executive leadership, Academic leadership, clinical education leadership, or informatics leadership. So, and
0: are those typically nurses who have already spent some time with patients and then come back and get that?
2: So, with leadership, it's not a um, not as clinically focused as like your nurse practitioner right. or clinical specialist programs. So uh, a lot of times, yes, they do have experience, but they may not have as much experience as expected whenever um, you're looking at applying to a clinical program.
0: So what's unique or what is found in your program that wouldn't be found in a non-Catholic setting?
2: So in all of our programs, what uh, I think sets us aside from all of the others is an actually a number of things. One is ethics. And we uh, the we live in a I say live because it's a wonderful institution that lives the mission day to day. Uh, we offer mass every day. It's 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 an amazing when we do our hiring process, we look at mission fit we vet every person by mission fit It is the only institution I personally have ever worked at that that really truly lives what they state their mission is day to day And then if you also look at the website the part of their mission is that holistic person and that aligns directly with the with the nursing profession as well as it's a Benedictine Catholic in, institution. Mm-hmm. And if you look at your Benedictine hallmarks, that just aligns directly with nursing from love to service to all, uh, to, to stewardship. I mean, there's just so much that directly aligns exactly with the caring uh, aspects of our nursing profession.
0: How but do you work well- the bioethics into the curriculum to make it real for those students?
2: So, um, in our undergraduate, the two bachelor degree programs, we have a Catholic bioethics course, and that is one of our, uh, core general ed courses that is required by all, uh, students. We also have, uh, theology that's required. Uh, then, um, we also have a focus in our upper division nursing when, um, we are teaching our students we are teaching them about what's if you compromise your ethics as a nurse and especially as a nurse with a religious focus and christianity and catholicism uh and it doesn't even ha- i mean some of our students are not catholics but they are mm-hmm. uh religious with christianity so mm-hmm. most christianity religions have a they're attached to ethics and what we found through covid is that a lot of nurses and a lot of nurses are religious and and mm-hmm. if they feel like their ethics are compromised they go into what's called moral distress and moral distress leads to Burnout. And all of this is 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 researched and it's it's validated through research Mm -hmm. that this does truly happen. And this is why nurses leave. So what we teach our students is how to speak up, how to advocate, how to do these in a professional manner, not belligerent or or, you know, but professionally so that they do not have those tendencies to go down a path of an ethically compromised or a moral distress or just don't feel like they can speak up. There's other tools that we teach them in that toolbox and it goes back to the holistic person of them as a nurse because if you can't, if you are not cared for through self care. And it's not like we're trying to say, I'll do all this funny stuff, but like, you do have to have enough sleep and rest and new appropriate nutrition and exercise to feel healthy enough to care and make others healthy. Because if you're unhealthy, you cannot make others healthy. And that is part of your goal as a nurse. So Carolyn,
0: if, if there is something that happens during their clinical year, so when they're a junior and senior in college, they're spending time with patients. If a situation comes up they're uncomfortable with, is there some way they can go back to the school and talk to some expert about how they could handle that situation yeah. in the future?
2: So actually we under, so first of all, in nursing, we do not have our students, um, we have faculty with our students. So, they're, so if there's something that happens at the point of care, uh, they are to go to their faculty member. And Wait, you've that, got
0: clinical faculty from Belmont Abbey that goes on the floors where your students are training?
2: Yes, and that, is so that, that is so that we do not have any issues. How with, common is that? Uh, that is actually, it's uh, a state regulated. So that we're even down to, like, we're regulated by ratios. So it's- oh. uh, Yes. So it's a requirement. It's a patient safety, but also from a Catholicism perspective, it is to make sure that w- we as faculty can advocate for our students to validate that they're not placed in a compromised ethical situation. Although I do not anticipate because we do have a uh, Wait, before you go
0: into this, this is really <laughs> cool. I want to say when I met these Benedictine monks, when our daughter went down there in 2012, they were really smart. I don't know, it was 150 years ago. They bought a lot of land and they still have the land and they lease the land to hotels. I don't know if they have a Lowe's or a Walmart. They're beautifully right. built. They don't, yeah, they don't look like your typical ones, but they lease the land and they have to build the buildings to a certain style. Well, they had some land left and Carolyn, tell us what they're doing with this other plot of land.
2: So they have land. They do land leases, like you said, and um, it's leased to uh, a local uh, healthcare system, which is building a hospital medical center. Uh, it's actually a medical center because it's got all kinds of cool things um, on Belmont Abbey property. So our students literally can walk to some of their clinical. I mean, they still have to have a variety of uh, experiences, but at this particular facility, they could literally walk from their dorms there and um, it does abide by the ESRDs.
0: It's incredible. So the, the the ethical and religious directors of the U S Catholic bishops Mm -hmm. are followed at this hospital, which is not a Catholic hospital, but to have the lease I mean, to me, that is amazing for somebody who wants to go into nursing. I know, Andrew, am I overselling this? That sounds pretty wild.
1: I think that's got to be pretty uncommon, even just for a, a secular institution to to care at all about the ERDs, you know. Uh, but no, I think as a student, I mean, what more could you really want? I mean, that sounds like not only very convenient, but I don't know. I know when I was going through training, I always wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to be put in, in situations where I'd have to compromise myself. You know, exactly. obviously tough situations come up, but if you've got uh, an administration and preceptors that have your back, I mean, that's exactly what you want. Is the hospital open yet, Carolyn? And if not, when will it be?
2: It is, it, well, COVID has impacted so many things. And of course, right. the supply demand. And, and um, my understanding is it's going to open uh, in early twenty four is the last date that I heard. I will uh, have a tour of the facility in the next couple of weeks, so ah. maybe further along than I thought.
1: Oh, that it probably is- takes a lot to build a medical complex.
2: <laughs> it does. It doesn't, and and it's it it, it really is interesting. But um, we are blessed because we are in a metropolitan, you know. The Charlotte region, and we have tons of opportunity. And our students do not have to travel like a lot of nursing students to their clinical experiences. A lot of nurse, I mean, at other institutions that I've worked, our students were even traveling to a different state.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> no. Because-
2: that's the limitations, you know, that goes back to what I spoke about with the seats and and how many you can have. And it, and it goes back to those experiences. How um, many seats
0: do you have per year? So
2: currently I have 80 that is shared between my juniors and seniors. But because the state of North Carolina, they actually let you. Admit a little bit over. You just can't admit up to ten over. So I can go up to like eighty-eight, something like that. And those are the regulatory uh, rules in my in the state that I that we're practicing in. But it could be different in other states.
0: Okay, so one question we wanted to talk about because I have a son interested in going into nursing is, what is the reason you think that nursing overwhelmingly attracts women and? Um, and, and what is a way, and should it even be tried to be changed?
2: So <laughs> I really wish that I knew if I knew the answer to that, I probably would okay. be like a millionaire, <laughs> um, <laughs> because then I could package it and sell it. <laughs> but, um, but we have been, I will say this, uh, in nursing and especially academic nursing, we've been, um, Doing many many things to attract more males into nursing. So we're the opposite of most professions. Most professions, uh, it, you don't have enough females, but we have. We're trying to attract males, and um, we do have a, a number of things that we have done to try to attract uh, men in nursing. We have a uh, even an organization to support them. But what I'm what I have found very interesting, and I don't know if this is a Belmont Abbey specific or if or if actually we are having a turn at the national level to where we have more interest in nursing, because we did receive a a lot of spotlight uh, about nursing and the nursing profession during COVID. Uh, and to know that we are not just handmaidens, we do ha- have our own <laughs> Ability to make clinical decisions. And uh, we get to do really cool things. Like I said, you know, crack a chest. Uh, uh, it, when I worked in the trauma, you know, it, it it it's just dynamic, some of the great things you can do. And I think that that we are seeing that, but we're definitely seeing higher ratios of men in nursing at Belmont Abbey. I'm not for sure if it's because we're attracting uh, males for some reason. Uh, but we, we do have, c- considering the history, it's not where it's not an actual 50 50%, but it is a much higher ratio. So we're actually very pleased about uh, and excited about, uh, about seeing our numbers.
0: Because I think the national average is somewhere around 10% are male.
2: It it, is is low. I will say that, uh, if you, if you are a man and you are considering nursing, there's also studies on the flip side about, uh, how much more quickly you are, uh, you can reach a level of like, if you want to go into leadership and a higher level of success than actually the females. So the men seem to, Mm. uh, Float to the top uh, much quicker. So that is, uh, and that's a a study that was uh, pre-pandemic. So I'm not for sure if that has changed. But but men in nursing, when you compare the men's salaries to the female, they are paid significantly higher. Hmm. It's an interesting study. It's an interesting study.
1: Carolyn, as as we're approaching the end of the interview, one of the things I always try and keep in mind is folks who are thinking about going into nursing, especially students, or as Tom said, he's got a son who's thinking about nursing. What kind of advice would you give to these kids who are trying to figure it out?
2: So first of all, you ha- and, and this may sound silly, but um, I don't like because we are limited on our seats. I want to give our seats to somebody that really knows that they want to become a nurse, so you do have to touch people. I think that uh technology although I'm an informatics nurse and I like technology to support us with data and informed decision making um however, my research says that it's a patient's there's some patient safety problems there, so that's a sidebar but <laughs> uh, uh that may be another you know maybe we could do another um uh, <laughs> broadcast our results and and technology. However, I do believe uh, that technology has changed the way we function as a society significantly uh, to the point that we at Belmont Abbey and a lot of other institutions uh, in nursing has started off our program as going back to the basics. So one of your first assignments is therapeutic communication because you do have to go into a room and you do have to talk to a person and you do have to assess them and look at their skin tone and all these other things that informs you as a nurse if something is going on or if they or if there's a change in that in that person. And what I have we have noticed in nursing is that uh, students ask, oh, so I don't text my patient? Uh, no, you go in the room and you talk to your patient and you talk to <laughs> their families. And oh, so, so it's just a change in our <laughs> Society. And, and, and the, you know, we have people in college now that doesn't know what it was. And now I'm going to sound really old, but they <laughs> don't know what it's like to not have a cell phone yeah, or, right. um, or all of that other technology that we're seeing the smartwatches, which I love that stuff too. And I utilize it. But, um, but your eyes, I mean, your senses is what helps you know how to to care for your patient. And so so we- So Carolyn,
0: what would you recommend a high school student do hands-on before college to kind of get a flavor? What kind of shadowing experience do you think are the most valuable?
2: Shadow a nurse to see if this is something you really want to do. I've even, um, uh, and and actually, you know, try not to go into, um, like, if you like a specialty, just make sure that maybe it's, if you shadow and you didn't have the greatest experience and you think, Oh, this may not be for me. Try to do something else because sometimes you may think you want to do like pediatrics or labor and delivery. I mean, I thought going into nursing that I may would have that interest. But then once I had my nursing clinical experience, I was like, uh, and, and, <laughs> and into cardiac, uh, it was like, that was my love. And mm-hmm. so try. If you're going to shadow, just give it a chance and maybe do a few shadow experiences. But also know that you're going to touch a person. Um, And and I know that sounds really weird, but sometimes that's when... They go and they have that first experience. They have their, their therapeutic communication and then they do their head, to, the first head to toe assessment and they touch somebody and they're like, mm, I didn't really realize I was going to have to deal with blood or touch people or <laughs> or, or the, those things. And it's and I, I, I don't really know where that, but, but you're going to do that. So that's something that, you know, just make sure it's something for you. Uh, my husband is a police officer and not everybody, I mean, I like clean bodies, like the open heart, you know, <laughs> and it's still controlled. But like, for instance, he can uh-huh. go to a car accident and be out on a scene and be okay with that, where I'm not for sure if I would be okay. So it's just yeah. each their own and their personal, what can you do? But just know that Technology augments a nurse's role, but it is not the entire nurse's role. You're right, Carolyn.
0: This has been a fun interview. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for the exciting news about what's going on at Belmont Abbey College. I think it's great. But uh, we gave a shout out earlier to a number of other Catholic schools that are doing uh, excellent nursing training. Maybe we'll have you back on to go over informatics. But thank you so much for being with us, Carolyn.
1: You're welcome. And we are back with Dr. Doctor and the answer to the medical trivia question. Tom? Yes,
0: the doctor-nurse ratio. What is it in the United States? And nurses, that would be all registered nurses and licensed practical nurses, RNs and LPNs. And the ratio for every doctor, there's approximately five of those nurses in the United States. Um, So last year, the total number of active nursing licenses was just over 4 million, and the active number of physicians was about 940,000. So um, there's a lot of them, and there's yet there's not enough. That's just incredible. Uh, yeah, and I think lots that, of
1: opportunity for, for students, people who are interested. So that brings
0: us in... Oh, I'm sorry. That was the wrong numbers. The active physicians was over a million, and that 940 was the LPNs. The 4 million was RPNs. So there's just over 5 million of the nurses, a million
1: of the doctors, and the top three takeaways, Andrew, are... Ah, yes. Well, thinking about the profession as a whole, there's just not enough nurses. You know, the nursing shortage has got to be the biggest takeaway. I see it in in my daily life, interacting in the medical community up here, but I know that's the case everywhere. Uh, Number two, a phrase she used several times was nursing gives you the opportunity to kind of switch, switch jobs and reinvent yourself. If you find that, man, I'm in this and this is not exactly what I thought it was going to be, or I would like a change of pace. Nursing, unlike a lot of other areas in medicine, you can actually switch jobs and do something totally different with your license and still get to help and care for people, which is really, really unique, I think, especially in healthcare. And then number three, I guess, the the third takeaway for me would be the faith-based options for training you know i'm a huge fan of the newman guide schools and the mm-hmm. idea that you can get uh, a nursing education and have a job right out of college which a lot of a lot of degrees don't necessarily give you that um but do it in a faith-based way that's amazing it sounds like a good deal
0: yep that wasn't there when i was going through school so i really admire that it is and we were talking off air you know one of my books of the last year that i love was a book called range by david epstein and it was uh, basically the, the Roger Federer versus Tiger Woods thing is the better athlete, the one who did a bunch of sports or the one who only did one. And mm-hmm. it's becoming very common now to, to change professions or jobs as you grow up. And I used to think, well, that's just someone who doesn't know what they want to do, but really, what do you know about yourself when you're 18? Are you going to really pick a job? And that's why even the U S military, which is losing a lot of people who go to the service academies like West Point, the Naval Academy. They don't have a higher rate of retention than those who just come out of college uh, and a lesser retention than those who just enlist and then become officers. So they had to even do something in the military where they said, Oh, you don't want to be an artillery officer all your life, Well, we will give you another option. And now you can change. So wow. that, that's valuable. And actually those people become even more valuable at their jobs because they have another way of looking at the world. So I think her point on that is a, a tremendously excellent one.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, just the, the opportunities. You know, she had mentioned recession proof. Yeah. Yes. Talk about yes. job security. There's yes. nurses needed down the street from every place in America. So I think it would be a great thing to consider, especially if you know you want to get into healthcare. Amen. Thanks for
0: listening to another episode of Dr. Doctor. You can find all our old episodes on our website, DoctorDoctor.org. Just click on episode archive. You can search all our episodes by uh,
1: guest or topic. And near the top of the homepage, you can check out our video version at the YouTube link. And you can also click submit a question, give us great ideas for future shows. This is Dr. Tom McGovern. And Dr. Andrew Mullally. And we're signing off until your next dose of Dr. Doctor.
2: The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-hosts. Have a question for our doctors or a topic you'd like to hear about? Call or text your questions to our text line at 260-436-9598 or fill out the form at drdoctor.org. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Doctor Show and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Plus, find all our past episodes at drdoctor.org.